Welcome back to the Secret Sauce Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Swing, and I've got a different interview for our episode today. John Basie is joining us. He's the director of the residency program at the Impact 360 Leadership Institute, which was actually started by John and Trudy White, the daughter of Chick-fil-A founder Truett, Kathy. Did you know that there is an actual secret sauce at Chick-fil-A named after Truett? Well, I did not. Prior to my recent trip to the Impact 360 Institute, we're going to cover what makes it so secret and why it is so good. Basie is relentlessly committed to equipping the next generation of leaders, which he recently published a book about called No Be Live. He's going to unpack this No Be Live principle and how it can apply to any leader anywhere. We'll also discuss all the desires and challenges that come with leading Gen Z specifically which I would consider Basie an expert on. Let's get into the interview. John Basie, I am so excited to have you on the Secret Sauce podcast today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Josh. It's great to be here. We got the opportunity to meet recently. Brent Fielder is a good friend of mine and invited me to get to come over to the Impact 360 Institute there in Pine Mountain, Georgia, where you serve and you're investing in the lives of young leaders, cultivating leaders there in, in Pine Mountain on campus. Man, we hit it off immediately. We just started talking about investing in the next generation of leaders and became very fast friends. Fast forward to now. Thank you for coming on the podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of different things today. You recently released a book called No Be Live that we're going to get, get to dig into. You lead and run the master's program there at the Impact 360, the residency program there at the Impact 360 Institute. What I'd love to do here first, Maisie, is give you the opportunity to share for all of our listeners who have never heard of the Impact 360 Institute before and what that tie-in looks like to Chick-fil-A. I'd love for you to begin to paint the picture for them of what that relationship looks like and even some of the really cool work that you all are doing there in Pine Mountain, Georgia. Sure. Well, again, thanks for the opportunity. It's a real joy. Just love the work that you uh, with Wild Spark and, and your team with Fireseeds do. We've been big fans for a long time. Impact 360 Institute is an organization whose mission is to cultivate leaders who follow Jesus. And we do that with a number of well thought out programs, primarily for young people, students, ages, high school through graduate school. And how we got started just real briefly was through John and Trudy, Kathy White. John and Trudy, for a number of years, served the uh, International Mission Board, and they spent 10 of those years as missionaries in Brazil and 10 of those years in leadership in Richmond at the IMB. They just knew that in the earlier 2000s, 2002, 2003 or so, God was calling them back to the Atlanta area to begin investing their time back into the family of Chick-fil-A and, and the related ministries. They weren't sure of everything that that would look like, but one thing that they did know was God wanted them to do something new. One of those new things that he wanted them to do was launch Impact 360 Institute. And so we welcomed our first class of 18-year-old students in the fall of 2006. It was a class of 18 students, 18 18-year-olds. And at that time, we were 
a four credit gap year. It still is a four credit gap year. That's the only program that we had. And some listening to the podcast might remember those days. I was there and one other person who's on our team was there. And of course, John White uh, and Trudy were here and a few others. Larry Cox, who is a, a legend in our our circles, he was founding director. So real grateful for him. By God's grace, we grew the class through 2012, 13 or so. And we just, we, we realized we need more facilities. That's uh, the facility you saw across the street where you and uh, uh, Brent joined us. And uh, we now have 85 students. And by 2024, we will have 100 fellows, 100 gap year students. We also have a residency program. That's a graduate program. It is an MA in leadership program, fully accredited. One thing that's really unique about this particular MA in leadership program is lives here. Everyone lives here on the campus. If you get in, we just ask you to live here because you're going to live here. You're going to work here. You're going to learn here. Not only are you going to do classroom learning about leadership and biblical principles and the serve model and really cool stuff like how emotional intelligence relates to leadership. But then you're going to turn around the same day and work with 18-year-olds and be able to execute and practice those very principles that you learned in the classroom with those 18-year-olds as you disciple them, as you go overseas with them, as you go to various locations in the U.S. for learning trips like Utah and Washington, D.C., even doing as a service learning coach. Our, our MA leadership students are service team coaches to our 18-year-olds. We have a kitchen team. We have a beautification team for the campus. We have a hospitality team. And so they're working, and the 18-year-olds are learning how to work with each other. Uh, this is one of the key things you know from being on a team. Teamwork is key. Our graduate students get to be coaches for those teams. We also have summer programs for uh, any in your audience who are parents, perhaps, or soon to be parents of teenagers, one week and two week leadership and biblical worldview camps in the summertime called Propel and Immersion. So you can look those up. Everything is on the website at impact360.org. We'll have the link to the website in the episode description so people can check that out. I would encourage anybody, whether or not you have a student that's approaching the end of high school or, or whether or not you're looking at a, a potential master's degree, I'd encourage you just check it out for a second and do a little bit of research on your own because it's really cool what's happening there. Man, shout out to the service team leaders, whoever was leading the dining experience and even the, the beautification, the campus there is absolutely immaculate. It's beautiful. I joked with your wife, Maria, and I said, this is like Disney World for Christian leaders when you pull up to it, because that's how nice it is. And I had some chicken and steak fajita tacos that were just absolutely incredible. So I know that was large in part due to even some of the, the students that are in residency that are leading those teams and executing and those things, which is just so cool. On a case, That's a good word. Thanks for that. Pass that on to our teams. You might be interested to know that on occasion, we've been known to serve Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Now, we can't sell them here. We don't sell them here, but we do have Henny Pennies in the kitchen. 
And our kitchen <laughs> team has been trained to use those. And we too get the, the benefit of Chick-fil-A sandwiches in Pine Mountain, Georgia. It's great. They had nuggets there that day on That's the menu great. too. So I got my fajita tacos with some powerful combination. On that note, I would love to segue. I mean, we're going to come back to some of the stuff that you guys are doing through the residency because I think it's really powerful stuff. Paisley, I want to revisit some of this, but what is Basie's go-to sauce? What, which one are you selecting out of the uh, assortment of sauces? I like them all. Let me say that up front. The one that I single out as a favorite is not really a sauce. It's a salad dressing. And I've only seen it in a couple of places. One is at the support center in Atlanta and the other is here. If it's elsewhere, I've not seen it elsewhere, but it's called uh, Truett's Special House Salad Dressing. And I think I sent you a picture of it just to prove that it really does exist. Yeah, I did. I saw I saw the picture. It is a real sauce, people. I can confirm that this is a sauce that actually exists. You'll have to figure out how to get your hands on it. I don't know how that's going to happen. Give me a little description on what this sauce tastes like. It's kind of got a hint of Thousand Island, I would say, but it's it's got enough kick to it that it, it might remind you a little bit of French dressing as well. I'm not the most adept at describing taste, <laughs> but it is just the tastiest sauce or salad dressing, I think, that they have on the menu. For all my listeners, if you want to experience this life-changing sauce, you're just going to have to plan a, a trip to the support center, or you got to go see Basie over in Pine Mountain and visit the Impact 360 Institute to get right. a little taste of Truett's special house dressing. I've been reading your book, Basie, recently, and I want to talk about your secret sauce. And I believe it'll be very in line with this book that you and the Impact 360 Institute have have published. But share with the audience some of your philosophy and approach to leadership, where do you seek to add value in helping grow and develop other leaders? Our secret sauce is wrapped up in in the three words, know, be, and live. And that has been the Institute's model really from day one. In some ways, although it is a different spin on the older educational understanding of, of head, heart, hands. We think this is in, in many ways a more appropriate set of terms to a biblical understanding. So know uh, is short for know Jesus more deeply. We want our students, our staff, everyone in, with whom we come in, uh, in contact to know Jesus more deeply at the intellectual level, at the heart level, at the level of action. Be, be who God designed you to be. That understanding of design is critical to our understanding of who we are as image bearers. Genesis tells us that we were made in his image. And as such, we are designed in a certain way. We're designed for relationship with him, with each other. We're designed in a certain way for work. Work is a good thing. Work existed before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. It is not a result of sin that we work. It's really a gift from God. And, and this is where I ground uh, a theology of work is in what we call the cultural mandate, fill and subdue the earth. This is one of the most powerful ways to ground business as a calling. 
And then finally, live, live a life of kingdom influence. And we want to take those first two, know and be, and we want to give them legs, so to speak. We want to make them matter in the real world, in the world of of action and execution. And how do we serve others with with what we know and who we're designed to be? Another another way to think about these three words, Josh, is, is in terms of discipleship. So no would be what we call intellectual discipleship. Anything that happens in the classroom with us, we would say is intellectual discipleship. We don't really hear that term a lot. I think it's something that's missed largely by the church, but the Bible says that uh, we are to love the Lord with our minds, with our minds, and to study His created order. And so we do that intensely here at the Institute. So intellectual discipleship, no. B would be spiritual formation and character discipleship, that heart piece. Who are we becoming in our character? And what are the spiritual formation disciplines that we seek to cultivate that help us to have that kind of Christ-like character? And then finally, live is what we would say is vocational discipleship. This is not our term. This is a term that other authors and and experts have used, like David Kinnaman and uh, Tim Keller and perhaps a few others. But what does it look like to carry out the gospel, to proclaim the gospel in the world of work? Yes, absolutely. In spiritual conversations, we should look for opportunities for those. But what if those aren't always possible? Is the gospel not being lived out because we're we're not able to have a spiritual conversation, perhaps for a full week? Well, no, I, I don't think that that is true. The gospel is lived out in the excellence of our work itself. Work is a gift, and as such, we do it excellently because of our gratitude to God. So vocational discipleship is is where we would end in that part of the discussion. Tim Tebow, I recently heard share something to the effect of we share Christ every day. And sometimes we do that with our words, which eliminates what you just shared there, Paisy, on just because you're not having a conversation about Christ doesn't mean you're not sharing Christ with others through how how you are excellent in your work and how you steward your work or how you have joy that isn't dependent upon circumstances and peace that isn't dependent upon circumstances that other people can feel and see and notice that there's something different about Basie or there's something different about swings in the way that they operate on a daily basis. And I certainly don't want to diminish the value of words because at the end of the day, if someone comes to Christ, it's because they have understood the word, Jesus himself. But what does it take to get there, to be able to earn someone's trust so that you can even have that conversation? Just this week, I saw that that the Wall Street Journal had released a brand new study. They partnered with polling group. They were asking Americans about their values. At the top of the list was hard work, and everything else was second to that. A number of values that have shown up on this poll year after year were still there, but lower. So what's lower? What's in decline? Well, religion as a value is in decline. Family 
as a value is in decline. Many other quote unquote American values, say back in the 80s, 90s, even the early 2000s, are way lower than they used to be. But guess what's holding strong? Hard work. And so this is a real opportunity, I think, for us, Josh, because if hard work is kind of like a universal currency that cuts across all people groups and doesn't really matter what worldview someone holds, they believe hard work is a good thing and it's valuable. Well, let's do that. Let's engage in hard work so that then we can have the credibility to have those spiritual conversations. It's really hard to have those conversations if you don't have a seat at the table. And a lot of times, basically, that hard work gets you a seat at the table and then gives you the platform to where you can have transformational conversations with other people. My favorite verses of all time is Colossians 3.23, which says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working Mm. for the Lord and not for man. And so it's just like as believers... We are called to work even harder because what our work is for is not for self-gratification or not for pleasing others. It's for the Lord. And so that should be even a motivator to press on, stay determined, to have endurance and run the race. And I am getting way too fired up right here. I'm trying to contain myself (laughs) for the sake of the conversation. Even going back to you sharing the whole overarching secret sauce of Basie and of even how that ties in with the impact. 360 and what you guys are doing there. I'm noticing even a lot of alignment in Chick-fil-A's corporate purpose. I mean, you started with with knowing who Jesus is and the Chick-fil-A corporate purpose starts with glorifying God. I think to know Jesus is also to glorify God. And then you talk about being a faithful steward is a, the next big part of that corporate purpose. And then getting into the, the latter part of that purpose and having a positive influence. And that's the live portion of what you're doing through No Be Live. And so it's really cool to even see how God has weaved those two things together simultaneously. Absolutely. And one of my favorite things about this is I've gone to college. I've not pursued a master's degree yet, but I imagine that there's not a whole lot of master's programs out there that allow you in real time to practice what you are learning And I think that's the case with a lot of where a lot of leaders struggle. And I'm guilty of this all the time. I get so wrapped up in theory and concepts and learning Mm. that I have to stop and ask myself, am I doing it? Like, am I actually putting it into practice or is it just entertainment for me at this point? Is it just something that I've created a habit out of, but getting to hear how you guys have made sure that there's also practical application that's happening right alongside of that learning is really cool. Revisit that basically, because I'd love to, to reiterate some of what you guys are doing to make sure that it's being practiced. I know you mentioned, you know, gap your discipleship, but do you mind digging yes. in there a little bit more for me? Sure. Sure. Glad to. One of the aspects that make our master of arts degree program unique is the fact that Our students, all of them are in their early to mid-20s or so. They they live here because we want them to be fully immersed. This is going to be their life for two years. By the way, it is fully accredited. Our partner for this program is North Greenville University in South Carolina, fully SAC, COC accredited. All of the instruction, at least 90% of it, takes place live, in person, 
not online classes, but live instructors right here uh, in Pine Mountain, Georgia, which is fantastic. In addition to the top-notch instruction that they get in the classroom, they are paid then to work with 18-year-olds, our fellows, the 18-year-old gap year students, working on discipleship, the no-be-live for the fellows, which is philosophically, it's the same as what our our masters, our graduate students would be getting just at an undergraduate level. So our fellows, it's also a program in biblical worldview, servant leadership, and God's calling, that no-be-and-live way of thinking about that. And so our graduate students in the afternoon might be doing any number of things from literally grading a paper that a fellow has written on Christian worldview, or perhaps it's a reflection paper on their time in Utah or Washington, D.C., or it's a a book review that, that they've written on tactics. How do we best proclaim the gospel to others and, and build trust and relationship while we do that? They actually grade papers. Uh, they are mentoring them. They're discipling them in small groups once a week. They have a curriculum, a biblically-based curriculum that they're trained in. And there is literally no fellow that falls through the cracks. Everybody is in a small group of two or three led by one of our graduate students or full-time staff members. And so that discipleship, that life-on-life peace, working through the no-be-live, I'd call it a, a holistic discipleship model. That's really what we intend to convey there is happening in a life-on-life way. And it's just, it's really exciting to see. How are you giving directors and your senior level leaders, your master's program team members, the opportunity to disciple other people within your restaurant? What does it look like for them to take a team leader under their wing or take a shift leader under their wing and really pour into them strategically and have regular reoccurring conversations with them to foster some of the growth that you want to see happen from a, from a scalable perspective? Because the end goal is not just to pour into somebody, it's to pour into them so that they can pour into the next person. That's that multiplication dynamic. And so Jesus was in the business of multiplying disciples, and he wanted his disciples to go and multiply other disciples. And yes, it is, it is to some degree, a a numbers type of goal. We want more people to be disciples of Jesus, right? But it's not just numbers of people. It's multiplying gifts. It's helping to raise others' gifts and help them raise awareness of those strengths in the workplace so that they can multiply their talents, what my wife would call their their five and two, their five loaves and two fish. We as humans, mere humans, can't multiply those things on our own. But with God's help, he can help multiply those. And then we're asked to steward them. Yeah, to your point, there is discipleship going on in each one of those stores that may sound funny to some I don't know. This is a place of business. You know, I'm not I'm not actively having Bible studies in my store. Well, that's fine. And that's not what I mean. <laughs> uh, as as one of our thinkers, Dallas Willard, who we look to a lot here, spiritual formation guy and, and a real intellect who died in 2014, he he defined discipleship this way. It's simply apprenticeship. You are an apprentice. So the question is not, are you discipling? 
It's what kind of discipling are you doing? Discipling is happening whether we want it to or not. We will be followed by somebody. Somebody will be our apprentice, whether by purpose or by accident. This last year at Chick-fil-A Next was, was all about culture. And you were there. I saw you and your team. And what does it take to cultivate a certain ethos to develop culture by design? And this is what we want. This is the kind of discipleship that we want, a proactive one, not one by accident. It's going to happen either way. That was a big theme that Andrew delivered during his time at, at Next on stage was, is it going to happen by default or is it going to happen by design? Are you going to be intentional right. about it? And intentional discipleship is the way to go, people. I can tell you that, hands down. I would consider you a a Gen Z expert. Mm-hmm. Basically, you may not label, you may not call yourself that, but you've done a lot of research through different surveys that Impact 360 has done with the Barna Group and a lot of stuff that you've put into your No Be Live book. What are some of the unique challenges with this that you have seen in a Gen Z workforce that is becoming more and more and more a higher percentage of who we are seeing entering the workforce? What are some of the unique challenges to this to this discipleship model that you see? On a number of occasions, I've had the privilege of sitting with operator regional teams to discuss this very question and even work with some operators and store managers on it as well. But one of the big challenges, Josh, which won't surprise you, is that of social media, smartphones that, that follow these young people around literally everywhere they go. This just was not a dynamic for me growing up as as a kid in the 80s, you know, latchkey kid, Gen X, you know, someone who who thought that it was a cool thing to go to the mall and check out a store that doesn't exist anymore called Chess King. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but yeah, some of our operators out there will probably chuckle because uh, that phased out a while ago. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Social media by far is, I would say, in the if not the top challenge, it's absolutely in the top three. Because the phone, it is discipling us when we are on it. It is going to shape us in some way. And if we are on it for 15 hours a day, which some are, there's no way it can't have an effect on our brains, on the neurons, on the way that the uh, the synapses and the C fibers fire yeah. and the way that a uh, neural pathways get cut and the kind of habits that are formed. Well, between someone who spends only two hours a day on their phone versus someone at the drive through who spends 10 hours a day on their phone in the drive through that person who spends only two hours is probably going to have an easier time with social skills making eye contact and not being bashful about approaching people and asking, is there anything else I can do for you? Where those who are being discipled 10, 15 hours a day, sometimes more, they are not nearly as confident in engaging other people in person. And when they do, they're just not confident about it. That's a big topic of discussion today. I mean, you're just starting to see the first generation who was raised on a mobile device. And there's just a lot that we're still figuring out with it. And that's definitely one of the big challenges is I would argue that 
you are being discipled by default and not yes. by design. You're, leave, you're leaving your discipleship up to an algorithm that somebody that you don't even know is writing. And it's not the way that I want to be discipled. In the book, No Be Live, basically you, you outline the three R's of worldview transformation specifically for Gen Z is like, how do we combat that? So I don't think it's enough just to say, hey, quit getting on your phone so much because no, nobody is going to feel compelled to follow through on that action step of not getting on their their phone. But the three R's, I believe, were reasons, relationships, and rhythms. Could you spend some time explaining those three R's, if you don't mind, and just how sure. that's a great proactive way to inject some intentional discipleship into this younger generation that may be very habitual about picking up the phone every moment they have and spending 15 hours on it over the course of a day. Yeah, good question. And that I would, I would highly recommend that chapter that that one was contributed by, by my colleague, Jonathan Morrow, who has a podcast. He's our, our main podcaster here at impact 360 Institute. So good shout out to him. He does an extremely effective job in talking about the three R's of worldview development and by worldview, what do we mean? We mean the way that someone comes to see what's real. A worldview is, is the degree to which we can see reality for what it really is. And what it really is, is how God designed it. To what degree are we seeing how God designed all aspects of the world accurately? We need his help to do that. So the three R's, reasons, what are the reasons for why we believe what we believe? Is faith just a blind leap in the dark? Well, that's not really what the biblical writers or the early church fathers believed. The vast majority of them would have said, faith is a trust, and what we have reason to believe is real out there in the world. It's a trust in what we have come to see as being real. The biblical authors, Matthew, for example, as he took account of everything he was watching Jesus do in that gospel account, he knew he was seeing what was real. He wasn't hallucinating. These things, these miracles were real. They actually happened. So what are the reasons that we have for why we believe what we believe? This is the work of of worldview training and apologetics and to some degree theology, biblical studies and and Christian philosophy. Next, we go to relationships. What are the relationships that we have with other people? Who who is it that we have put ourselves in community with? Who is it that 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 we are listening to? And how are those people pouring into us? What do they believe? A really good question to ask is, okay, when you're with these people, what, what kinds of things get celebrated? What, what kinds of things are given the thumbs up? That gives us a good indication of what the values of the group are. And if, if those things are, uh, in the, at the end of the day, good, right, and true, if they indicate fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on and so forth, well, you're probably on your way to being in a, in a pretty healthy group. If it's something pretty far off from that, maybe we need to be asking some questions. 
about the company that we keep, but relationships are uh, extremely important. We were not meant to be on our own in this world. And then finally, rhythms. What are the rhythms of life that we are habituating ourselves to? Not just do we wake up early consistently and do we do we exercise? Do we eat a good breakfast? Do we read our Bibles at the same time every day? Those things are all important. And, and yes, there's probably a lot of wisdom to having that, that sort of routine. But what are the kinds of rhythms at a macro level that we could identify in our lives? So, for example, Sabbath, taking Sunday as a day of rest. Uh, this is a lost art. Chick-fil-A, as everybody who's listening knows, has always been closed on Sunday. It's never going to be open on Sunday. And this gives the team, the operator, it certainly gives those of us at Impact 360 Institute the opportunity to rest, but not only to rest, but to trust God that even though I'm taking this day of rest and I'm not using it to make money, this is a way that I can trust him even more. I trust him with my finances that I only need to work for six days and he's going to take care of the rest. That's an important rhythm of what I'd call rhythm of mind. It's a mindset. Another thing that I think is important in terms of, of a life rhythm is taking time to fast and to have seasons of silence and solitude. These are some spiritual disciplines that we teach here at Impact 360 Institute. We certainly don't have the corner on it. We didn't make it up ourselves. These are old, old practices that have existed for millennia that in and of themselves, they're tools that help bring us closer to God. We don't worship these practices themselves. We worship Christ only, but we believe these practices, these rhythms help bring us closer to him. So those are those are the three R's of, of worldview formation, Josh, that we would say are just incredibly important for Gen Z. Thank you for sharing all of those, Basie. And they're each super powerful. I think we could have a podcast episode for for each one of those R's that you just walked us through. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think operators and any business leaders that are listening to this have a great opportunity to enforce some of those R's within the environment that you're cultivating. You have the opportunity to communicate some reasons to your team. You have the opportunity to be a place that cultivates positive relationships, to be giving the thumbs up to the right things like that phrase that you used, Basie, and then also uh, to integrate some of those rhythms and to talk about some of those rhythms, macro rhythms in your life, mm. especially for Chick-fil-A, right? You're, you have Sundays off. So how easy is it to explain even the reasons behind that? Mm -hmm. And I think what's really cool is the fact that when you, you trust God, like you said, with taking that extra day off, even though the world that we live in, you just mentioned this earlier, worships work at times and worships this the hustle of cramming more in, how can we get more in and more and more and more if we will take time to rest and trust by honoring God with that, he will provide for us. It can be really, really powerful. And you look at, I mean, great example with Chick-fil-A, the average McDonald's is doing maybe $2.5 million 
revenue per per year for an average restaurant. And I don't know what the average for Chick-fil-A is up to now, probably eight, eight million in revenue per Chick-fil-A with <laughs> with one less day every week in operation. It's pretty wild to look at. Just a, a real tangible case study for it. Well, basically, I it's a, it's all the time we have for our conversation today. Man, we're going to have to do this again because there's so many other questions that I, I would love to ask you. But I wanted to give the opportunity just to wrap up our conversation today and tie, if you wanted to tie a bow on anything that you've shared, I wanted to give you the chance to do that or any parting wisdom you wanted to leave the audience and the listeners with. Sure. You take it away and then we'll wrap it up. Well, one thing that comes to mind is considering your audience specifically, I, whenever I speak with an operator or anyone who works in a store, I, I try to remember to say uh, thank you for what you all do because it allows us to do what we do. We are absolutely uh, a non nonprofit, uh, independently governed here at Impact 360 Institute. Uh, as I've mentioned, John and Trudy are founders back in 2006, but we're highly aware that the good work that operators and team members are doing out there are the bread and butter that help us to do what we do. So I wanted to say thank you for that. And I'll just wrap up by saying we we believe in the company. We believe in the values and we're with you. And we just, Josh, for, for Fire Seeds and, and Wild Spark, we love what you guys do because we share those values with you as well. Thank you. It makes It makes it a lot easier when you have uh, brothers and sisters to go shoulder to shoulder with and do it together. And so I'll throw it right back at you, Basie. Thank you so much for all that you're doing there at Impact 360 Institute and the way that you're investing in the lives of the next generation of leaders, preparing them for the harvest here. And, and I'll second what you said. Thank you to all of the Chick-fil-A teams out there that are impacting community communities across the country and, and across the world. And we're growing internationally now, which is crazy to say. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, thank you so much for joining me today, Basie. We'll talk again soon. I mean, all right. Thank you. I'm going to continue the gratitude from the end of this conversation and say thank you to all of you for listening to this podcast and fighting the good fight when it comes to making others feel seen, loved, valued, and cared for. Two major things I'm walking away from this conversation with. Number one, I'm committed to following the no be live structure. Too many times I find myself getting hung up on just knowing or knowing and being and never get to the living part. Not anymore. Let's all hyper-focus on the application of what we know and influencing others. Number two, when it comes to leading others, especially young leaders, we have to give them reasons, relationships, and rhythms. If any of those is non-existent, then it all falls apart. Don't forget to check out the Impact 360 Institute, especially if you have high school or college-aged students. I'll have it linked in the episode description. Until next time, stay saucy, everybody.